Did you know that Croatia is the home of the Dalmatians? This episode of TripCast 360 is sponsored by David's Cruise Vacation, a travel agency that specializes in both land and sea adventures for the intrepid traveler. Book now at davidscruisevacations.com and experience that hands-on personal service. Hello and welcome to TripCast 360. We are the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment. This is your host, Michael Gordon Bennett, and I am joined, as always, by Dave Cumberbatch, who is out somewhere on Long Island enjoying 70-degree weather, I hear. 70-degree weather? Oh, man, I love it. I'm loving it, Michael. I woke up this, mor- I woke up this morning and it was 70, but it won't be that way for long. That's right. That's right. You're in the middle of the desert, man. I tell you, come to New York, you know, we'll... Nah. You know, we'll, yeah, we'll give you a good time. You know, we'll show you what life is really like. Oh, geez. And I'm afraid of you already. <laughs> you, 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 you'll have me drunk the minute I land at, at JFK. <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> because, because you did it the last damn time I was there. <laughs> That's the Caribbean in me, man. Come yeah, on. I know. I know. I know. At least my flight home was good. Anyway, um, uh, off to uh, more pleasant subjects other than Dave's lost luggage and camera equipment. Um, We have a great show today, and I'm actually excited uh, to talk to our guest because uh, I'm probably going to say this when I intro her in just a moment. But Croatia has rapidly become one of those hidden gems of a vacation destination. They have been open pretty much throughout the pandemic with strict protocols, but they've pretty much been open. And it has turned out to be one fantastic destination. And as I started doing more research on Croatia, and keep in mind, I actually produce a TV show for a guy who's from Croatia, and he never talks about it. So Mm -hmm. uh, when I hear all these other people going to Croatia, I'm like, this is cool. I got to get into this a little more. And we just so happen to have found the perfect guest who's been on our podcast a couple hundred times already um, (laughs) to talk about Croatia. So we'll get to her in just a moment. Uh, Dave, I think you need to go to Croatia, man. Yeah, I can't wait. I read her latest article. and. I'm all ready. I'm going to start to pack now, even though I don't know the date. Oh, okay. Well, you're you're vaccinated, so you're safe. Anyway, before we jump off into the uh, uh, show with our guests, a few housekeeping notes as I do at the beginning of every show. The TripCast 360 podcast is available wherever you get your podcast: Apple, iTunes, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We're on all of them. But the best place to actually listen to it is on our website at TripCast360.com. We usually post a show every single Monday. Give us a few breaks for the holiday season. But for the most part, we're actually rapidly approaching the end of season two. And uh, I didn't realize when we started this, we'd be looking at, you know, in January, staring at season three. So um, <laughs> this is actually pretty exciting. To, you know, as I started to think about it this morning, I said, wow, season two. I mean, we produced, I think we're up to this Jamie's episode today would be our 32nd episode this year. And I think we did 20 last year. So we're somewhere around 55, 60 episodes already. So this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I think we did 30 last year, but. Yeah. Right yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, we were able to do this in the pandemic. So all of it's pretty cool. So, yeah, please uh, encourage your friends to like, listen, share, follow us and all that other great stuff. And uh, uh, we look forward to bringing you a lot of really uh, good shows. I know we have Costa Rica coming up in a few weeks. we got Bonaire coming up in a few weeks. Plus, don't forget, we also do entertainment. We've interviewed comedians. We've interviewed actors. Um, uh, musicians. Uh, one of the things I would like to get on our podcast, Dave, is an athlete. But we'll get to them later. All right, I'll call up uh, LeBron James and um, maybe I can get him to join. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take that. Anyway, Dave, uh, we've got some social media where people can also follow us. Let them know. Yeah, we in social media. Um, 
And we know that you are on social media as well. All the figures suggest that you are on social media. So while you're there, don't forget to tag us, like us, let us know how you feel about the show. So just send us a note and we will respond. We'll gladly appreciate hearing from you. And also, don't forget, use social media if you can't uh, reach out to us via our email, contact at tripcast360.com. If you have a show idea, you can send it to either that email address or on our social media. Um, you know, we're all there. We're here for you. So right. if you have a good idea, let us know. Yeah, let us know. Now, without further ado, we are going to get started with today's show. And as I mentioned before, Croatia has quietly become one of the hottest vacation destinations in the world. In recent years, it's become the destination of choice for A-listers from Beyonce and Jay-Z to Magic Johnson and his wife, Cookie, to Bono and Neil Patrick Harris. And we just found out today, Harrison Ford and Callista Flockhart have recently uh, visited Croatia. Uh, well, today we have a celebrity of our own, although she may not like that moniker. Her name is Jamie <laughs> Edwards, who journeyed to Croatia for the third time this past summer. She's a frequent guest on our podcast and is the owner of the website IamLostAndFound.com. And her article, The Best Way to Explore Croatia, Land and Sea, is a great way to start planning your journey. Jamie, 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 thanks for doing Hello. this. And welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Well, you're now Thank a celebrity. You. <laughs> in, well, in my mind, that's fine. <laughs> but thank you. Jimmy, I read your recent article, The Best Ways to Explore Croatia, Land, and Sea. And I want to tell you just how much I appreciated your clearly written and experience, experience sharing that article. Um, in two years, I'll tell you, since we started our podcast, this is the first time that we are discussing in Croatia and your article as it expresses both land and sea uh, without, taking, without taking any emotional stance on either side. We talked about that before we um, started the podcast. You wrote that Croatia is one of the most countries, is the most alluring countries in Europe. Um, and you said that you say that with some conviction, having been, having been there three times in the past decade. To use one of your quotes, why is Croatia's magnetic pull so strong for you? Uh, well, I should be really prepared for that question. Uh, that's a very good question. We first went to Croatia in 2015 on a family trip. And when I think back to why we went on that trip, uh, part of me remembers that we wanted to be a little bit a step of ahead of the tourism. Uh, we had been to Greece, we had uh, been to Turkey and done sailing trips there. And Croatia wasn't really on the American tourism map as of then. And from everything I had read and understood, the Adriatic Sea was so beautiful and clear. So we we dived into looking into Croatia. And so for the first two trips, 2015 and 2018, we did uh, mostly trip. So we took what is called a goulette, which is a traditional sailing boat, uh, wooden, typically about 100 feet, uh, two or three masts. And they have this beautiful historic feel uh, to them. And they've since been repurposed to be uh, private charters for people who want to cruise around the Adriatic in small groups. Uh, our group, for instance, was a group of 13. 
It was my husband's family, his parents, his brothers, and their families. And in short, when we've done this in Turkey and when we did it in Greece, it it's such a nice way to have a family together in one place, yet everybody sort of finds their own place on a boat and their own activities. So in 2015 and 18, those were uh, two wonderful trips. And what I kind of laugh about is that I always used to say I would never take the same trip twice because the world is big and there's a lot to see. Uh, and now here I am, uh, having come back in 2021, uh, from Croatia for the third time and possibly even planning it again for three years from now. So, uh, I eat my words basically right now. Uh, but the, the talking about what the pull is for Croatia in a nutshell, I think it has to do with, uh, the landscape and scenery, uh, the people and, that it doesn't really feel uh, overly touristy in an inauthentic way. Uh, although I will kind of step back and say that Dubrovnik and a lot of the islands near Dubrovnik that are on the Dalm- Dalmatian coast do have a lot more tourism than they did when we were there in 2015 and 2018. Do you think people are starting to figure it out? I think the secret is out. I really do. Uh, but not in a, I, I, I think that it's out in a wonderful way. And the islands, while crowded, still have maintained a lot of their tradition and the authentic feel. So the, this year, when we took our trip, uh, we, and as you know, we did land and sea. And we started, and we could talk more about it, uh, the land part we did first in a villa in Istria. Istria is a peninsula, sort of the northwestern uh, tip of Croatia. And we started there for a week. And then we ventured down to pick up the boat in Sibnik. And from there, what we had decided to do, uh, in contrast to our last few trips, was to sort of see different islands, ones that are really not on the tourist map at the moment. Uh, are quieter and definitely had tourists, but they were Croatian tourists or they were Eastern European tourists. They were not the American tourists, British tourists, Canadian tourists. So those islands were devastatingly beautiful, but also had uh, this inherent sort of slow buzz and charm of, of, slow holiday life, Croatian holiday life. And I really, I really loved it. We all did. Wow. Yeah. I'm looking at some of the images on your um, website, uh, in particular, the one right at the top of the yacht in the water, a couple other boats and the, just a small speck of islands out there, uh, totally unpopulated by the way, that are just like great spots to just anchor and dive and swim for the day. Just, just this just looks awesome. I, I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> it really is. In fact, uh, I I was reading that there are twelve hundred islands, uh, inhabited and uninhabited. Of course, there, and you could go fifteen times and find new bays, new coves, uh, marinas, places to swim, harbors which all adds to this sort of uh, undiscovered feeling of Croatia, which is also part of the magnetic pull that you feel like you're kind of discovering something that people, not everybody has seen that you're not reading about every day. Right. Yeah. You stayed in Istria for one week, you said, 
um, and uh, Istria borders the the Istrian Peninsula borders uh, Italy. You also mentioned that there's a short boat ride from Rovine over to Venice. Did you did you take that ride? We didn't take that ride. We didn't really have the time for it. Uh, I found it interesting that it was that accessible. Uh, and even until we were going on this trip, I did not even really know exactly where the Istrian Peninsula was situated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, truth be told, um, and it was really wonderful because the food influences uh, are Slovenian and Italian all converging in that spot. Uh, Istria is really also very un, kind of undiscovered to American tourists, which made it really nice. Uh, there's It's filled with vineyards and olive groves and kind of some barren lands and lots of sea, fishing villages and seaport villages around the peninsula. It's a lot of history there and uh, a lot of just really farmland, uh, really beautiful place. And we found, uh, in fact, I, I can't even take credit for finding the villa. The villa that we stayed in was in pretty much the center of Istria. Istria is sort of known for being a heart-shaped peninsula, which I think yeah. is a nice way to look at it. And our villa was pretty much in the center of the heart. And the villa was found by my husband's parents. Uh, they planned this trip to Istria, if if you can believe this. I mean, I think I'm a planner. They planned it uh, four years ago wow. to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary. Mm. So four years ago, I remember my in-laws saying, we've booked a villa for 2021. And I remember thinking, 2021, forever from now. Um, and then here we are, all of a sudden, 2021. And uh, celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. So they found the villa and it was really beautiful and so well suited to a family reunion. It had a pool, it had a hot tub, it had tennis court, basketball court, a driving range, a playground, uh, it, foosball, pool, uh, like billiards pool. Uh, it had some bicycles and so all self-contained. So some of us got to the villa and decided not to leave or explore, which was fine. Uh, but then there was me who wanted to go and see what was around. <laughs> so so you're, you're, you're the intrepid explorer. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm both. I'm an intrepid explorer, but I'm also a consummate homebody. Uh, so I do love villa life for that reason of kind of having everything you need there. But knowing that I may not get back to Istria anytime soon, I did want to see some of what was around in the area. And I think that I was able to convince my brother-in-law, David, to, to join me and his kids. Uh, we bribed them with gelato to come so <laughs> for breakfast. We just had breakfast. And we're like, would you like gelato? Oh, sure. Then you have to come with us. And they did. So well, see, and bri bribery gets you everywhere. Early in your article, you seem to have cleverly forced the reader to take a choice between land or sea. And I'm not going to ask you now to, to give me, um, to tell me which one you prefer. But I thought that was extremely clever and creative on your part. What was your thought process there? Oh, that's a good question. When I... I knew we had a trip that was divided, one week at a villa, one week on a boat. 
And of course, we had done the boat trip a few times before. And I really wanted to be able to write the article in a way that highlighted them both. But it did. I did struggle at first about how to do it because at first it seemed like it could be two completely separate articles. Right. I didn't really want it to be, but I also didn't want to completely pit them against each other. Uh, I wanted to show sort of my enthusiasm uh, for both of them. And always I feel that with when I write, I, I want to tell it from my point of view rather than telling the reader what they should do. So in my mind, I was telling a story about the boat and a story about the villa, and then someone could decide on their own which one suits them more. Uh, and of course, they're both are great. It's such personal preference. So I broke down the article, I guess, into some categories, uh, exploring, eating, activities, and sort of within each section, discussed the pros, the pros of each. I would, it was almost had pros and cons, but there really are no, there are no cons. They're all pros. Uh, <laughs> and, and as I was writing it too, I think I thought in the beginning that I had a clear view about what my favorite was. But when I was finished writing it, I realized I didn't have a clear view on it, on which one was my favorite. And I think my answer would be to your question, which I know your question would be, which one land or sea my answer is both and <laughs> oh she's being I, ag- she's being agnostic dave <laughs> non-committal <laughs> no i think Although what I she's would... that's a good political answer <laughs> i think what she's doing i think what she's doing is forcing the reader to make a choice she's not making the choice but the reader has to make that choice okay right. I, I i can accept that as somebody who writes for a living so i get it <laughs> <laughs> um by the way before we get too far out in the weeds the Istrian Peninsula, for those of you who don't know, juts out into the Adriatic Sea in the northwest corner of Croatia. And when Dave mentioned earlier about the boat ride to Venice, Venice is literally across the harbor. If you had to drive around the peninsula, it takes about three hours. But if you could take that boat ride, it's probably an hour and a half, I'm guessing, uh, yeah. straight over to Venice. So that is actually pretty cool. And it's quiet as to compared to some of the other more touristy areas of um, Croatia, which you touched on a little bit in your article too. The first time you went, I think you said you went to a lot of the um, high traffic tourist areas, but this was different. Um, when you got a chance to explore from the villa, what did you go see? What did you do? What Tell us some of the things that are in that region to, to explore. Well, we did a lot of lovely things. We First of them uh, was the fishing port of Rovine that um, David, you just mentioned where you can take the ferry to Trieste, uh, Tri- oh, did I say Trieste? To Venice. And uh, that was busy. Um, it had beautiful super yachts in the harbor. It had a gorgeous old town with uh, cobbled streets, very narrow pedestrian uh, only streets. In fact, the cobbles were so slippery. I was wearing um, kind of flip flops and they mm-hmm. were. I had to take them off and walk barefoot. Because oh, wow. it was, there was that had been walked on for so many centuries. Uh, it was busy with tourists, but the shops seemed more authentic. They weren't selling uh, Game of Thrones T-shirts like they do in Dubrovnik. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, I love Game of Thrones, but um, uh, it was. It felt that there was some more genuine, uh, less touristy shops. Lots of cafes, lots of gelato, 
And at the very top of Ravine, you climb up to the top, there's a gorgeous uh, church uh, to walk into and around and get a real lay of uh, the water from above. And there's also up there a Michelin-starred restaurant called Monty, which I had read about. Um, it, it was closed, thankfully, uh, to my, you know, at least... Uh, <laughs> Because I knew I, I knew I couldn't make a reservation while we were a group of thirteen would have been rough, but uh, Ravine had so much. It really was a beautiful, beautiful town. So that was one place we went to. Another place we went to was um, it was called a wine hotel. It's called the Menegetti Wine Hotel, Ooh. and yeah. it's a winery and a hotel. They choose to call it a wine hotel, which I think is pretty catchy. Uh, and we spent the 13 of us went for lunch there. We drove, uh, it was inland and they also had a beach club. So it was maybe three or four miles inland. And then they also had a Manigali beach club and we did a wine tasting, uh, for about an hour, a few of us. And then we had this gorgeous lunch at their restaurant called Oliveto. And we had maybe a two and a half to three hour, just boozy lunch, uh, outdoors breezy uh it's also i believe a relay chateau uh relay and chateau which is uh kind of this nice high standard of uh dining and it just felt like an oasis uh out in the with this beautiful amphitheater shaped uh vine so it was really that was another beautiful excursion oh um <laughs> tell us a little for those of you who don't know, the first time Jamie was on our podcast last year, we had her on because she's notorious for planning foodie vacations. She plans vacations around food destinations. Now, tell us about the food in Croatia and their influences. I know you touched briefly on it a moment ago that said there was a lot of Italian influence, but um, kind of give us the lay of the land in terms of the the food that you experienced while you were there. Well, so in the villa, we would uh, we cooked for ourselves a few times, and then we had a cook come in, and he made us traditional Croatian food. We did a lot more uh, on land. We did a lot more meat, so uh, lamb. And one night was really fascinating. Uh, did uh, roasted suckling pig on a spit. So the <laughs> chef came at about maybe three in the afternoon. There is an outdoor pavilion about a hundred feet away from the villa, uh, kind of stone all open with this open fireplace and um, a spit. So the chef came and put the suckling pig on it, which roasted all day and then made the traditional sides, the lots of uh, vegetables and uh, roasted potato and potatoes. And that was an incredible treat. I don't think I've ever been that close to a, pig on a spit in my entire life. And it was pretty fascinating. Uh, so that was wonderful. Our land meals were great. Lots of uh, like wonderful roasted meat. Uh, in contrast, on the boat, we had a lot of um, fresh fish um, and fresh vegetables. Some of the fish we had was um, halibut, swordfish. Um, and then there, they call it shark but it's dogfish from what I recall. Mm. So um, lots of wonderful flavors. The, the goulette has um, a, a crew, a captain and a cook as part of that crew. So all of our meals were uh, on the boat just about with the cook. And he was a fantastic cook. Uh, could not have been better. In fact, 
we didn't want to ever leave the boat to eat because his food was so good, um, which was fantastic. But I do have um, and we one story uh, about the destination dining that we've talked about before. Um, and I've talked before about the San Pellegrino list of the best restaurants in the world and yeah. how my husband and I often will kind of look through that list, see where we're going and see if there's any of those restaurants near us. It turned out that um, there is a restaurant in Slovenia called Kisha Franco that was ranked 38th best in the world last year. She has two Michelin stars. The chef, her name is Anna, Anna Rost. Um, probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, and her restaurant was also on Chef's Table, which is a television show we like to watch. Anyway, it had always been on our bucket list. And before we left on our trip to Croatia, my husband looked at Google Maps and noticed it was over the border of Croatia and Slovenia. But over the border was a three and a half hour drive through the mountains. But we booked it anyway. I went ahead and I booked, booked it for six of us. And we took one day. We woke up at eight o'clock. We got into a car at eight o'clock in the morning. We drove three and a half hours to uh, Slovenia. We had a three and a half hour lunch. And then we drove back for three and a half hours. So that was, I, that, that's probably one of our best destination dining experiences uh, in every way. It was phenomenal. So, so let me get this straight. You guys drove or did you hire a driver? Because those mountain roads could be a little treacherous on the backside coming back with three glasses of wine in you. <laughs> uh, we did hire, Michael, we did hire someone to drive us there. Smart because what nice. I didn't mention is, it was a 23 course lunch with a wine pairing. So there was um, 23. Co- oh, wait a minute, 23 courses? 23 course lunch. Ooh. Explain to us what a 23 course lunch is like. You know, I have to say, it sounds insane. Uh, the portions, and they were each one was its own piece of art. Uh, each course, whether it was homemade bread as a course, uh, corn beignet with trout, smoked trout roe. Uh, we had tortilla with mole. It was every single piece was more artistic than the next. And of course they weren't large, they were small, but the okay. entire meal over the 23 courses and the wine was choreographed in the most <laughs> dazzling way. The waiters would come and they would all, at, and it's a rustic farmhouse. So it's not as if it's, fancy, fancy looking and dining. It was very beautiful, but everything was orchestrated um, almost like, like a ballet where they, the waiters, three waiters would come for the six of us and present it all at the same time. Each piece more pretty than the next, whether they used local, everything local uh, flowers, but one really fascinating course, and it was all a prefix, meaning we had no choices, was um, on the menu, it said, um, bear paw with chestnut dumplings and bear paw <laughs> in a forest consume. And none of the six of us, my daughter is with us. None of us really questioned it. We're thinking, you know, who's going to ask this question like bear, bear paw. <laughs> um, and of course it was my daughter when the waiter comes and says, my daughter says, is this really bear paw? And mm. I was expecting the answer to be like, Oh, it's a mushroom. I knew some mushrooms have, Interesting names like lion's mane is a mushroom or hen of the wood is a mushroom. I thought maybe bear paw was a mushroom, but oh no, the waiter said 
Oh, it's, <laughs> it's there. And <laughs> it was uh, definitely one of the strangest foods we've eaten, but it was done where the bear, po- I guess bears, there's an overpopulation of brown bears in Slovenia. So they are, it is legal to um, them. Call, call them down and hunt them. So we, it was within a dumpling in a consomme. And to me, it kind of tasted like a little bit of like a rich, like a meat sauce. Um, but there you go. Bear paw. Mm. Bear paw. Oh, and, uh, and also it, um, as a little side note to that trip to Slovenia, uh, we had to get, uh, because we were going into a different country and crossing a border, we actually had to get COVID tested again the day before we left so that we could get into Slovenia to have lunch. So a lot of work went into this lunch wow. mm-hmm. uh, in Slovenia, but it was worth it. Wow. Well, you actually anticipated my question because I was actually going to ask you how difficult it was to go back and forth across the border. You know, in the traditional pre-COVID world in Europe, it was really easy. Just basically hopped on a train or jumped in a car, but everything's changed now. Exactly. So we did. We Thankfully, uh, and thankfully, the driver of our minivan uh, was local and she knew a border crossing that was uh, less used. So we could have been sat at the border for hours but thankfully we didn't have to be because she knew a small border crossing uh, okay she didn't have to bribe the guards no <laughs> thank god thank god all right davy warm up the jet buddy we gotta go yeah this episode of tripcast 360 is sponsored by david's cruise vacation a travel agency that specializes in both land and sea adventures for the intrepid traveler Book now at davidscruisevacations.com and experience that hands-on personal service. You talked about three islands, which um, <laughs> before we started, I, I said to you, I'm not going to mention the names. I don't want to mispronounce these names. But, but you said that they're all your favorite islands. Can you, t- um, if, if there's no overlap, can you speak specifically to each one of those islands and what sure, makes what course. makes one different from the other? Yeah, and we're going to sure. listen to your pronunciation, by the way. Yeah, I will. I will say also that I um I'll be sending this podcast to the captain of our boat, who I who I've told that I'm doing this, <laughs> and uh, I will say right off the bat that I'm not going to pronounce them any better than you. Uh, <laughs> but I will kind of preface it by saying that uh, when I mentioned that we had been to Croatia the past a uh, few times that we had gone the other years the islands that we went to that are truly worth seeing for every tourist who ever wants to go to Croatia, I would highly recommend seeing those first, which are Havar, Portula, Vis, Brach, Miet. Those are islands that uh, are completely worth going to, even if they have more tourists than they did when we were there uh, eight years ago. Uh, And there's a reason that they're so uh, well-known. that said, we decided to go further afield because we had seen those before. So, and there was such a sharp contrast between Corchula and the ones I just mentioned with the new ones we went to in the sense that uh, it was such a more low-key vibe uh, and they weren't filled with boutiques and shops. They had restaurants, but they were uh, very local. They were for people who were coming off their kind of small boats and fishing boats. It had a... a, a fishing village vibe. Uh, for instance, the very first one we went to is called Zlarin, which begins with a Z, Z-L-A-R-I-N, Zlarin. And we ended up there on a Sunday. And I walked around uh, with my father-in-law, in fact, 
we had gotten off our boat and come come onto land. And it felt like a throwback in time. Kids were uh, riding around, popping wheelies on their bikes. Uh, dogs were running around after them. There was um, a town square where kind of the older men were playing bocce and mm. drinking at beer and the all the little patio, the seaside restaurants. People were in there, still in their bathing suits, having just kind of come off their boats. They were salty and sandy. Really uh, lovely vibe. And then the sun is setting and it feels like a storybook. Mm. It really, it really did. Uh, and I will say that that's a, a the feeling of a lot of there's a lot of overlap in that feeling for the other islands. Uh, some of them were a little bit more had a little bit more high end note to them, uh, but mostly they just all felt very traditional, authentic, real life. It didn't feel like you were popped onto an island that was meant for tourism. Um, one of the other ones that I wrote about was called Primiston, and. I'll never forget this moment because we, I think the captains of these boats really know what they're doing. You always end up pulling up the island as the dusk is, is happening. So the whole, all, everything glows. The island just looks like it's glowing. And yeah. every island has um, their kind of signature terracotta rooftops. And then centrally, there'll be like this pop of a church spire that just kind of towers over it that. Um, draws your eye to it. So it also kind of adds this fairy tale storybook feeling. And Primiston was so amazing because we were pulling up to the harbor in our boat and the sun was just setting behind it. And it it made the entire island glow first. But then as it set mm. behind it, it, it put it in complete relief where it looked almost like a, cu- a cutout, like a silhouette. Right. And then... Uh, so we're all, I think everyone on our boat, all 13 of us are just mesmerized by watching this from afar. And then the lights of the island popped on. Uh, and so it just, maybe this happened over the course of 40 minutes. And those are the memories that are really seared in my mind. And uh, I don't even need a photograph to remember, although I took a hundred or I was going to say, if I, if I know you, you took quite a few. I <laughs> took a lot of photos of it. Yeah. Um, the light changed every 10 seconds. Everything looked, every, everything looked beautiful, but it still seared in my mind, even though I did take photos. It was a really idyllic moment. So, And that was, I think, one of the nights we had dinner off the boat. It might have been the only night we had dinner off the boat. And as much as we liked it, I, for, for us, I think being on the boat, just having dinner served no no uh, menus was much nicer wow i was just gonna ask you what the experience is like on one of those boats um i i checked out the boats and these are these are the gulets right mm-hmm. right and i checked it out and these boats have some turkish origin and uh they're sailboats you said most of them have two masts um but for somehow, somehow these were converted into sort of luxury, semi-luxury. What's the what's the experience like on being on the boat for seven days? You know. Well, I this is where I'll say um, it's not for everyone. I mean, not everyone would find that exciting. Uh, for why I find it exciting, and I think I wrote a little bit about this, is that when you're at a villa, you have to take a car to go visit 
places, whether it's the wine hotel I was talking about or the or Rovine, you get into a car and you drive uh, from point to point. When you're on a boat, you are being taken from point to point. You're not moving. Uh, you're watching the landscape go by. I've jokingly said that when you're sitting outside on the loungers at the front of the boat, that it's like watching a Nat Geo documentary pass before your eyes. Uh, you're passing other boats. You're seeing beautiful landscape. You're seeing uninhabited islands uh, with all the beautiful colors. You're passing lighthouses. You occasionally pass a pod of dolphins or you see tuna thrashing through the water. There's so many things to see. And I will say that it's not a very active trip. Um, I joked that my step counter clocked in around 22 steps every day. So it's not the kind of trip that's so active until you're walking around the island. Or uh, one of the things we haven't talked about yet is the activities that are on a boat. So we would kind of cruise from island to bay to island. And oftentimes the captain would find this nice quiet bay. We would anchor. And then the minute the anchor went down and we got the okay, the kids would hurl themselves off the boat just with wild abandon and spend four hours jumping from the boat and flipping into the water, backslip, front flip, uh, snorkeling to the coast. Uh, you could snorkel to the coast and then get up on one of these islands and hike to the top, which is what uh, my brother-in-law did with his son. There are so many activities also that the boat comes with, like in our case, uh, a kayak, um, two stand-up paddles, uh, snorkels, noodles, um, a tube, like a donut tube where they'll pull yeah. you around, and water skiing. So it is sort of a playground on the sea that you just, uh, there's so many things to do. And in my case, I I swim a little, but I like to sit and I read on the on the top of the boat and just watch the kids. Uh, and it's, it's a very idyllic uh, life. If that's, if that's right. your thing. When you, I, when you anchor, do you get to interact with passengers from other gulets who might anchor within close proximity? I think that um, the answer is we no, not really, because you're really not never that close to any other boats. Uh, we preferred in the past, we have done a, a few of our trips where we would pull into a marina, like a slip in a marina, and you'd be side by side with other boats. But we kind of quickly decided that that's a, it, it's kind of noisy. So sleeping at night next to other boats. The plus is that you get to walk on and off your boat onto the island without having to take the dinghy in. But I think that at least in our case, we really liked feeling that we were away from it all. Uh, so no, we didn't really interact with any anyone else, but I'm sure that that's possible to do. Uh, but it's a more isolating type of a trip in that sense, like the boat part. You're, uh, which is why I think it makes such a great family reunion trip uh, because you're all really together all the time. But yeah, you can all do your own thing. Uh, everybody has their own space. That's nice. So these boats are literally private. It's 100 feet long. You had a family of 13 i think i think you mentioned there's not a lot of space on a boat 100 feet long with a family let's say 15 20 so i would imagine it's just one family or one group of friends that that would take one of these boats that's right i think that what you sometimes two families will take it so it had seven this particular boat had seven cabins so uh and you do not spend a lot of your time in your cabin 
uh, I say 99% of waking hours are spent outside of your cabin. Uh, so I think that if you it would not work with a group of 15 or 20, because most of these boats could not manage that many people. A lot of these gulets have maybe six cabins, five cabins, oh, okay. uh, but it is a great trip for two families to take together or an extended family reunion is nice. Uh, but you are, and you are in close quarters. And, uh, but I think for the most part, people find their own things to do. And when you have kids on a trip like this is really very freeing and liberating for them, especially they they're off the boat more and they're on the boat. Right. Uh, in in the shameless plug section of our show, you mentioned that you were going to send this to the captain of the boat of the gullet that you took. First of all, how did you find this particular one? Was it something that was pre? I'm assuming it, it was pre-planned, and you did some you and your and your in-laws did some research to find just the perfect uh, gullet. Well, um, we this is the same um, same captain that we've used now for the for. Uh, or the same company we've used for three years in a row. So I found um, the company who has multiple boats. And what, the reason I did a ton of research, as you would expect, um, back in 2015, there are so many goulets out there uh, of all different kind of sizes and remodeled or refitted. Um, some are more modern than others. And for me, what I looked at was the out- was how the base on the boat was broken up. I felt it was really important for having lots of different outdoor loungy spaces. It didn't really matter how many indoor loungy spaces there are because no one really wants to be inside. So this particular boat and group of boats has what basically at the, uh, that is the stern, the back of the boat. My husband would not yeah. believe I won't know that. The stern at the, at the stern, there's this huge day bed covered and it was a perfect spot to be shady, but still be outside, watch the world go by. Six people could get on it and kind of hang out there together, had pillows. Uh, so that was really important. Not all goulettes I looked at had that space. Um, and then the front of the bow, the front of the boat had um, eight loungers, kind of foam loungers, so that you could also lay out there um, reading, catching sun. And then a third spot that the boat had was almost right before that, a cocktail space with a table. So for me, what I looked at, among other things, was how the space would be used and kind of imagined how the trip would be. Um, and once we filmed this boat back in 2015, we just kept using the same company because they um, the service was so amazing. The captain and the crew for each boat was outstanding and just made our trip so much more enjoyable. And of course, as I mentioned, the chefs um, having a really good cook. Um, since we're eating so many meals on the boat, you want to be confident about that. Wow, wow, wow. Well, uh, like I said, Dave, uh, get our jet guy on the phone. We got a trip to make. Uh, this sounds like an awesome trip. And by the way, um, I'm going to, uh, Jamie is a fantastic photographer. I need you, everybody listening to this podcast right now, even if you have to put this podcast on hold, go to her website, IamLostAndFound.com. Not only is the story about Croatia on there, but you should see some of the photography that's on this on her website. It is really, really, really well done. And I can't overemphasize that enough. So go, go pay Jamie a visit and then come back and finish listening to this podcast. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out, Jamie. Come on now. Give me Thank a break. You. That's so nice. <laughs> I am blushing. <laughs> yeah, brother, trying to help you out. 
Um, so yeah, I'm looking at all these pictures here. I see, I don't know that your son or daughter hitting the water. I see somebody doing backflips. Um, I mean, you went, now your, your trip was what, August? That's right. Okay. Um, so the, I'm assuming summertime weather in the Northern hemisphere in the Adriatic sea had to have been just special. Well, it was, in fact, uh, I did, uh, read that Croatia gets 2,715 hours of sunshine a year, which is more than Sydney, Australia. So I thought that's mm. as good a reason as any to go to Croatia, um, especially, I mean, there's never any guarantees, but August, end of July, July and August is the waters are warm. The temperatures are warm. Uh, when we were at the villa, we had cloudless skies for our time at the villa as well. Uh, I think that Croatia is just known for wonderful weather and temperatures at that time of year. Oh, wow. How, how difficult or easy is it to get there from where you are? Um, you're in Washington, D.C. That's right. I think that um, Dubrovnik is a direct flight from a lot of places like Washington, D.C. or New York. Uh, we did not fly directly because we were starting out our trip in Pula, which was in the Istrian Peninsula. But uh, And I'm not entirely sure now, kind of with COVID, post-COVID, if there are those direct flights to Dubrovnik. But even so, it was uh, it, it, it's not hard to get to. And Dubrovnik is also an incredible place to either tack on a, wherever you go in Croatia, for whether you sail or not. Adding on Dubrovnik at the beginning or end is a wonderful thing to do as well. Speaking of uh, planning, I guess you're planning to go back in a three <laughs> or four years. Yeah, don't tell anybody. Nobody is a secret. Don't tell my husband yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, just for the thousands of people listening. Don't tell her husband. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yes, I would love to go back. Oh, okay. Well, plans <laughs> to be determined, wink, wink. Um, but I, I actually want to go back to your um, previous experiences in Croatia for just a moment, even though that's not the focus of today's story. A lot of the places you went to initially were more the touristy areas as opposed to this trip where you got a chance to get off the beaten path as, as a tourist who had never been to Croatia before, what would you recommend they do if they just want to see the touristy areas and the, what basically stole your heart about going to Croatia in the first place? Because obviously that first trip, you know, wasn't enough. That's right. And I will say, even though they're touristy, I would go back again in a nanosecond, uh, regardless, because it's really worth seeing, especially if it's your first trip to Croatia. Uh, I would, my recommendations would be Korchula, which is a really unique island. It's, uh, they say that the shape of the way the roads are is like a fishbone. It has one, and it, it's set up high. So you kind of climb to the top of a, also the island, but uh, a fishbone where there is one dividing street and then dozens of little streets that kind of come out from the center. So you can kind of get lost in all this, like, little uh, tiny narrow passageways and you can find a ceramic shop or you can find a little boutique. And uh, although there might be a lot of people there, you still feel like you're discovering something new. Uh, another island that is probably my favorite is called Miet. And Miet is a national park. So unlike all the other islands, it's mostly fully green. You can rent bikes and then go in the interior of Miet and find some stunning lakes that you can swim, hop off your bike. 
So that's another absolutely beautiful island that I would highly recommend, as well as Havar, which is really known as a it's a party island. It's a where a lot of bachelor parties would be or bachelorette parties would be lots of clubs. And I joke that kind of uh, as the sun sets on Havar, like the island gains energy that all of a sudden the families are going home and then all the club goers and partiers are coming out. And the island just sort of turns into this one big partying nightclub. So Havar is a really, really fun uh, island to go to. And so those would definitely be the three that I think are the um, ones to definitely hit, as well as uh, Bratch and Visp, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong, are also just other stunning places to go that are high on the list for people's first time. Wow. Yeah. For you folks who are listening to Jamie, um, this was a private trip. It was not a paid trip. Jamie is such an excellent storyteller that um, you might sort of get the impression that she's being, um, you know, she's being hard to tell these stories, but far from. She's an excellent storyteller. Thank you. And by the way, Jamie, these pictures for food, remember, it's only 10 o'clock in the morning out here on the West Coast. And I'm sitting here looking at this fruit bowl and some seafood and vegetables. Uh, I'm looking at this dining room table set up on one of your pictures. I'm assuming it looks like you're either on the boat or uh, you're at a restaurant of some kind that actually looks out over the water. But that's uh, the boat. That's the boat. Wow. You should see this. There's a place setting for, I'm assuming, your entire family. They're looking at the size of this table. These these images are just awesome. I, you know, I, I keep mentioning this over and over again throughout this podcast, but this is spectacular stuff. Thank you. Thank you. I still can't get over that roast pork that I saw in one of her images, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys didn't do that in the Caribbean? No. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at that picture right now. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I think when I was in Fiji, they did something like this as well. And it's just like, I I, I mean, the, the cultural experiences that you get from traveling around the world, like what yeah. Jamie does, you can't replace it, man. And I and I, I know I say this a lot throughout some of our other podcasts, but if you have never left the United States of America and experienced some other part of the world, you are missing out. I mean, you know. Yeah. This this isn't Jamie's first radio either. She's been all over the world. And, and like Dave said, she doesn't get paid to do any of this stuff. She just goes out there and puts this together with her family and goes. And I love it. <laughs> Michael, I'll tell you, I don't know if we can get beer paw here for obvious reasons. <laughs> but, but, but if I can find a uh, beer paw here, I'll try it. I'll let you know. Okay. Maybe I'll send, you know, maybe I'll send some for you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and just, just in keeping, I'm going to make Jamie uh, give us a little preview of what's coming up because we're going to have her back for this. Just in keeping with Jamie, the steam of Jamie traveling the world. Jamie, you got two really cold weather uh, vacations coming up on opposite ends of planet Earth. Tell us about both of them, because uh, I, I think our audience will be really interested, especially in the one that I think in the Southern Hemisphere. It's interesting. It's just interesting how it came about. Um, my stepfather and I are going to, in February, going to Antarctica uh, on an expedition. And then just we were just thinking about what we wanted to do for Christmas and New Year. And since we'll be in England, my husband's family is, lives in England, for Christmas, we decided that we're going to go to Finnish Lapland, which to tell you the truth, I did not even know what Lapland was until I Googled it. Lapland is the area at the top of uh, Finland, Sweden, and Norway, it sort of encompasses all three. 
So we're going to finish Lapland, which happens to be, I think, within the Arctic Circle. Uh, so kind of in, in January, I'll be in the Arctic Circle, hopefully. And then February, I'll be down in Antarctica. So <laughs> that's kind of mind-blowing for, even for me to hear. Uh, I didn't, hadn't even really given it much thought until you said it. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you get a minute, reach out to Catherine because she's been to Finnish Lapland before. I already have. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we were actually, yeah, we were actually going to do a, a, a show about that, but then COVID kind of got in the way. So your experience will be fresh when you come back on our show in January between your two trips to tell us. Well, let's knock on wood that they happen. I guess anything, you know, anything could happen. Let's no, 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 no. Positive vibes here, girl. Come on now. You got to keep this, <laughs> got to keep this positive. No exactly. And it's funny because you're actually going to uh, Lapland when it's going to be freezing cold outside and you're going to the Southern Hemisphere when it's there summer, although it will still be cold because of where it's located. Exactly. I know. And I think you pointed out last time that for some reason I've been planning a lot of cold weather trips, which is true. I just think really that I'm, I really would just like go anywhere happily interested to, uh, get some new experiences, some different ones than are than typical. And I think Finland will be really pretty exciting. I'm going to be curious what you're going to get from the foodie adventures of the, both those places since you're such a foodie. <laughs> I know. Well, see, watch this space. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sound like a TV host now. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> in closing, is there anything that Dave and I forgot to ask you about Croatia or something that uh, uh, we should have touched on that we missed? I, I, I think we covered it all based on your story, but I just want to make sure we didn't leave anything out. No, you didn't. But I, I have a question for you both. Okay. Land or sea? Oh, I was just gonna. I was just gonna tease you about that. <laughs> I was just gonna say to you that the title of your article is the best ways to explore Croatia, land and sea. But then at the end, you ended it by saying land or sea, right? Um, <laughs> I'm gonna take the. You know what? You've done such a fantastic job of writing this article and sharing your experiences. Um, it's difficult for me to take a position. I love them both. So for me, I'm going to stick to land and sea as opposed to land or sea. <laughs> how, about, how about you, Michael? All right. You guys are too, you guys are being too diplomatically correct here. You know, here's what I propose. I am a cultural and historical junkie. I love history. I love culture, which I think I can probably experience more on land and sea, but here, um, here's my diplomatic answer to your question. Instead of spending seven days in the villa and seven days on the boat, I would probably spend 10 days inland and four or five days on the boat. How's that? I think that's fair enough. Okay, Good answer. Because I love, I love history. There isn't, there is, and I don't care what country's history it is. It, it, I'm agnostic when it comes to that. I will follow history anywhere just because I think learning about our past is so darn important. Yeah, I think that's a good good answer. Thank you. <laughs> You're trying to straddle here, you know? Seven days on one and five days on the other is like saying both of them. Yeah, but see, here's the difference between me and Dave. Dave don't do boats. <laughs> I don't mind <laughs> no, no, boats. No, 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 no. I, I will do a gulet. The water oh. seems to be very, from, from the images that I see, the water seems to be really calm. You very know? true. Yes. So I, I don't have to worry about the boat rocking and going. Oh, uh, no, no. 
<laughs> yes, you would. Come on, man. This is this is August in the Adriatic Sea. Would you go on there in the wintertime? I don't think so. (laughs) 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 Because that part of the world, the water could get a little dicey. And especially when you're in those coves areas and and stuff like that, and water doesn't have a way out. So, yeah, Dave, you're not going on there in the wintertime. This is not Barbados. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, one more question for you. For you, it is land and sea. You, You travel with members of your family and so on. Did you get a chance to ask their opinions as well as to whether it's land and sea or land or sea? Uh, No, but I will. (laughs) 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 Give me your husband's phone number. Give me your husband's phone number. I'm going to call him and ask him. Yeah, I'm going to ask some questions. I might send out a survey to everybody. I I, I actually want to hear the answer to that question from your kids. Yes. Well, children have a way of being blunt, (laughs) brutally honest. It's true. I think they would be very torn to choose. I think they had as much fun at the villa as they did on the boat. I think that they would really struggle, but I'll get Uh back to you on it and I'll see what they say. Yeah. Do you get any feedback on your articles or did you get any feedback on this article? Yeah, I do. I get good feedback. Um, I think uh, quite a few friends who have read it have been interested in taking the same trip. So I'm only too happy to pass on, um, you know, the, the captain and the information to friends because I have loved it so much myself and gotten so much joy from it. Uh, and I love the, the company that we've worked with. I'm happy to send them people. So I've sent quite a few people on this trip before. Uh, so I'm very happy to, if any of your listeners need more information, I'm very happy to pass it on. It would make me happy to see them uh, get business too. They're just wonderful, wonderful team. But the the reason I asked the question, Michael, sorry about that. The reason I asked the question is to see um, in terms of the the survey you took, how how do your readers feel, whether it's land or sea? That's why I asked the question. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know the answer. Okay. Okay, and another shameless plug, since I know you're sharing this with your Golette captain, tell us his name. Well, our our captain was named Captain Tom, and uh, I will make sure that I put give you that information for when you uh, when you have it on your website. I'll be happy to do that if if it's okay with you. He's, it's okay uh, with it's okay with captain. us. Yeah, no, it's yes. okay with us. I mean, these guys are like small business owners in a way, and trying to get them. Uh, the attention that they require to make everything work. I mean, a lot of people don't realize what goes on behind the scenes in the travel and tourism business. It's a lot it's of true. hard work. We've had more than one captain. In fact, we've had Captain Tom, and we've also had this is past trip was Captain Carlo. And I have to say that um, both captains that we've had in the past, um, incredibly outstanding, uh, and they're in crew. You know, they all work together, and they work such long hours, and they work so hard. So uh, we've had. Wonderful crew under Captain Carlo and Captain Tom as well. So, uh, it's, so, uh, it's so should Captain Dave and Captain Michael get us a boat and move to Croatia? <laughs> ne- neither no, one of us know a damn thing about sailing, but we we'll get on the boat. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. hook you up with our captain. Okay. <laughs> if you wrote a book, if you any ideas about writing a book, and if you write one, would the title be "I'm Lost and Found"? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. 
The answer is, uh, is that I something? don't think a book is in my future. I think I'm happy with no. my 1,500 to 2,000 word posts is where I'm happy with <laughs> my sweet spot. Well, <laughs> if a book is in your future, just think you got a brand, girl. So, you you know, you got to use both names. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. I will. <laughs> so, anyway, right. uh, Jamie, this has been a lot of fun as always. A lot of laughs, but a lot been. of great information. And, and I'll say this on behalf of Dave, your passion for global travel is infectious. Um, Thank you. And, and we love having you on. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I know where you're going in the fall and I know where you're going in the winter. So we'll look forward to having <laughs> you back around for both of those as well. Um, so um, stay tuned for that. Jamie and, and Dave and I are working on a very exciting, what we hope to be television project. Uh, I will not release the details now. Uh, that, that's, that's, to be de- that's to be determined, but we're putting the uh, uh, groundwork together. There's nothing like what uh, uh, this show is about on television um, at all. And I should know because I follow travel religiously, but as most of you who follow this podcast know, I also used to be a senior producer and manager at the Travel Channel. So I'm pretty well steeped in travel and television. So um Stay tuned for that. No announcements yet, but we are working for it. And this idea, by the way, originated from Jamie herself. So uh, we want to give her the credit where credit is due. So that's right. Anyway, you can learn more about Jamie on her website. I am lost As you've heard me can say continuously throughout this podcast, the stories are well-written. Jamie's a great author, but those images on her site that support her writing, just spectacular. You, you, you will not leave her website. There's a lot of content on her website for all of those who uh, think they want to hit the road. Again, Jamie, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. As always, it's so much fun. And I really appreciate you inviting me back. No, no worries. No worries. You're always, your, fa- your family now, as Dave is fond of saying, so you're always <laughs> welcome here. Anyway, that wraps up this edition of TripCast 360. Uh, you can catch our podcast every Monday. We release a new one, uh, Holidays Excluded. Uh, and uh, this podcast will actually be live uh, quickly, actually on September 27th, which is about three days from now. So uh, just tune in and uh, check out Jamie and this podcast. And don't forget to read her content. On behalf of my dear friend, Dave Cumberbatch, this is Michael Gordon Bennett saying so long and see you next time on Trip Gas 360.